We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We are live tonight on Sunday evening. We're reacting to the Chargers loss to the Buccaneers. Unfortunately, we're not able to get the job done. Um, so Tyler is not able to join us tonight, so it's just me and Alex. Alex, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing so good that I'm sitting on top of the NFC East, baby. Let's get... <laughs> we're going to go to the playoffs, baby. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It uh, it was a pretty good game, and uh, Eagles happened to finally win one after tying the Bengals and all that nonsense. So, I was uh I was mostly just happy to see Wentz get off the Schneid. Um, you know, he had a really good game today and was throwing to, of course, you know, Travis Fulgham and <laughs> just guys that the Eagles find on the street. Uh, for him, you know, with Greg Ward being their only viable, you know, wideout. So it's just, um, you know, it's just crazy how he keeps doing it with those guys. And Justin Herbert reminded me a little bit of that today. Yeah, actually very similar uh, circumstances for both of them. Obviously, you know, Keenan Allen is a little bit better than uh, Greg Ward, <laughs> but uh, very similar for the rest of the supporting cast. Um, 
So it definitely was a weird thing, you know, to think that the Eagles got their first win of the season today and they're atop the division, <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of speaks to the NFC East. And so um, obviously we are going to get to the Chargers game. You know, we'll, we'll have some major takeaways and, and we'll also have some uh, we had some listener submissions, which I'm excited to, to hear what uh, some of our uh, listeners had to say about the game today. But we'll start with the league uh, in general. This weekend was crazy, man. Um, the Titans have a COVID breakout on their hands. It is just a mess. I do not expect them to play this week against the Buffalo Bills. They obviously had their game this week against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers pushed back to week seven. Um, there was a false positive from the Saints team. There was obviously Cam Newton had a positive test as well. And uh, Jordan Ta'amu for the Chiefs practice squad had another positive test. So, you know, COVID was uh, definitely a very relevant storyline this weekend for the NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah, it started with the Titans and everyone was like, oh, it'll be Monday or Tuesday night football. And then, you know, as they got more and more positives, that became less and less likely. So, you know, um, it kind of worked out for the NFL in this case because they can shift around the schedule and so they figured out something with the, the, I think the Ravens buy and, you know, shifting the game with the Steelers yeah. around. So it really ended up not being too bad. Uh, obviously, the long term of this is, you know, you, you got to stop the breakout at some point. Uh, so, you know, hopefully uh, uh, from the league's perspective and also the Titans perspective over the next two or three days, they don't have any new positives and then hopefully they can uh get back in so we can get some of these games rolling and we don't have to, you know, uh, postpone to the end of the season or, you know, figure out some, uh, you know, other ways to postpone. Uh, You know, we want to try to postpone as few games as possible, but, you know, uh, what are you going to do with COVID, really? Yeah, unfortunately, we we all knew that this could happen. Um, It's definitely different circumstances than Major League Baseball when the Marlins had their breakout. Uh, right. And the Cardinals as well, because in baseball you can just do double headers mm-hmm. and you know play seven inning games and things like that. You can't do a double header for football right. games like that's just not a reality. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how the NFL handles this. They, uh, them, and the NFLPA are in Tennessee launching an investigation uh, as to why maybe the protocols were not followed as as the way that they should be and how this breakout started, but. You know, they have 18 players and staff members that have tested positive in the last few days. So I, I cannot imagine that they are going to have their game against the Bills this weekend because you have to have no, you have to get these, all these cases under wraps. Uh, you have to have two day, two consecutive days of no positive cases before they can return to the facility. Um, and it creates quite a challenge because the Buffalo Bills would essentially have a week five bye. And then they play the Chiefs in week six on Thursday night. And right. the Chiefs are obviously playing tomorrow. They have a short week next week. Then they would have a short week again against the Bills, who are obviously a very talented team. And they're coming off a bye. So it definitely creates a challenge for the NFL. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously the Cam case is, is big because that pushed the game to Monday night. So we'll have another yeah. Monday night doubleheader, which is actually kind of fun. Uh, obviously, you, yeah. you know, you don't like the circumstances, but you know, Patriots, Chiefs nationally, and then leading into the ESPN game. Um, you know, my stance is just, you know, I wish they had more Monday night doubleheaders. You know, I, I, right, don't, I don't get why we just do week one and then we just don't do doubleheaders anymore. 
Um, I, I mean, I'm sure that has something to do with local TV rights and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I'd like to see, you know, Monday Night Football doubleheader every now and then. So I think it's cool that you're going to see uh, just, you know, Mahomes and Rodgers back to back is a super fun uh, doubleheader. It's super fun, man. If there were two things for TV in the NFL that I could change, the first one would be to get rid of regional broadcasting because it's the freaking worst. <laughs> yeah. And then the second would be to get rid of Thursday Night Football and take that game and put it on Monday night every single week. It's just, it makes more sense, you know, for the players to have, to not have a Thursday game and have two on Monday. Uh, it's definitely going to be fun. I did see this tweet that was pretty funny that said that the Chiefs Patriots game would be uh, over just in time to see the Falcons fourth quarter meltdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. So it's going to be fun to watch. Obviously, you know, we wish Cam were playing. That would have been a, a heck of a game to to watch. You know, it's going to be an exciting matchup. Um, Bill Belichick, man, he's a defensive wizard, obviously. So seeing how he goes about trying to slow this Patriots offense or this uh, Chiefs offense down, excuse me, is going to be really interesting. Yeah, um, I was curious to see if they go with Hoyer or Stedham, and it seems like they're going to go with Hoyer. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. Just, maybe he's the veteran there, but... There was all that talk about Stidham preseason, and that hasn't really panned into anything. So, a um, little disappointed by that. But, yeah, I think Hoyer's probably their best choice for this game without Cam. Um, of course, it's unfortunate just because, you know, the Cam-Mahomes matchup would have been really fun. But um, I still think the Patriots can stick around in this game uh, with, their, with their defense. I, I think they can, you know, they've been the thorn in the side of uh, several teams even without you know, peak offense or, you know, a lot of uh, great passing, you know, so they've been able to stay in this in these games. So I, I think they'll, you know, I don't know what the spread is against the Chiefs, but I, I think they'll probably cover it. Yeah, I, I think it'll be, I think the Chiefs will win, not easily, but it'll be a tough, hard-fought win, but I think they will come on top. So um, as for the rest of the league, I am currently 1-1. One one. Uh, I did pick the Packers of the Falcons tomorrow, so we'll see how that goes. The Cleveland Browns, man, like I, I thought that they win. Obviously, I picked them, but they ran for 300 yards today. Like They just you know, took Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and they just said, you're not going to stop us. You know, LJ Beckham obviously had that big end of round, which was a crazy touchdown. But you know, Dak is throwing for a ton of yards, but the Cowboys cannot stop anyone. Yeah, um, it's really good that the Dallas Cowboys paid Zeke Elliott over Byron Jones. Uh, that's certainly yeah. not a decision that will come back to bite them at any time. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the reality is the defensive line is just um, a mess for them right now. Obviously, they had... Um, they, I mean, they had injuries before the season, and it's they've just piled up at this point and you have the linebacker core for them, which Jalen Smith was kind of hyped up going into this year, but he has not been very good in my opinion. And so you really have poor play at all three levels. And I don't know. I, I wonder if at some point that uh, Nolan's job is kind of got to be in jeopardy there, but um, yeah, no, de definitely not a good effort. And I don't see, well, well, they are in the NSEs, but I don't see, uh, you know, a way that they can win division and, and make the uh, make some kind of playoff run with the defense in the current state that it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're going to have to be able to stop somebody at some point. And, you know, CD Lamb has been really good for them right? and really good for my fantasy team. But at the end of the day, like, 
they had so many needs on defense. And like you mentioned, Jalen Smith, obviously they lost Leighton Van Der Esch. Uh, I don't know the health situation of Sean Lee, but I can't imagine it's very good. Gerald McCoy is out. So they've had some major injuries. My guy Francis Bernard was activated today, so <laughs> super excited for him. Um, but that defense is all kinds of bad. Um, the other defense that is really bad that I've seen over the past few weeks is the Houston Texans. Um, you know, we talked about like not counting them out. I am officially counting them out. They are done. Yeah. Uh, they lost to the Minnesota Vikings and did not look good at all. Yeah, I, I picked the Texans in that game, and I, I just thought going in, I'm like, all right, you know, Minnesota's looked, hmm, on offense. They haven't really looked great, and I'm like, well, you know, Deshaun has a good game, and they didn't really do a great job protecting Deshaun most of it. And, uh, man, Justin Jefferson just is on a tear with the Vikings so right good. now. So good. So yeah. good. Um, if only a certain Philadelphia team had the opportunity to draft him. Uh, but you know, other than that, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing with the Texans is just, yeah, their defense is bad and they don't have the skill players to make up for how bad the defense is, say like a yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, so it, right. it's just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't want to count them out before that one, but Owen four, I mean, especially with how Indies looked, how Tennessee has looked, yeah. um, even even Jacksonville, I mean Jacksonville's one and three. I mean you know, but they can give teams pretty good games most of the time. Other than yeah. the Dolphins Thursday, Jacksonville's competitive. Other than the Dolphins Thursday nighter. Um, so I mean, I I just think it's hard to claw back from zero and four in that division. I think uh, I think Bill O'Brien has kind of cornered himself here. Yeah, and it sucks because there's no light at the end of the tunnel here. You know, I was talking with uh, my wife just before this, and she was like, why are the Texans so bad? And it's they have traded away so many draft picks for Carlos Hyde and, you know, for half a season. And even David Johnson, you know, they didn't get a good return for DeAndre Hopkins because they wanted David Johnson. Um, you know, the fact that they couldn't get a single first rounder for DeAndre is really coming to coming back to bite them in the ass. And they traded so many picks for Larry Tunsil. Like right. you can have these good players, but they legitimately have two like building blocks on their roster. It's Watson and Tunsil, and that's it. You know, JJ Watt is is definitely lost a step. He's playing mostly on the interior. He's not even going over the tackles anymore. They don't have a good linebacker. They have uh Eric Reed's little brother, I forget his name, his first Justin name. Reed. But Justin Reed, thank you. Um, that's about it. You know, Gary and Conley, maybe, but they don't really have any, like, for sure, you know, building blocks on this team anymore. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just, like, uh, stuffing veterans around Deshaun Watson, right? So you got, like, Randall Cobb and um, all the receivers they got, but it's like there's no one that's very athletically exciting which is probably bad to say about a football team but other than Deshaun Watson it's just like there's really very little like athleticism and movement to this team both on offense and defense and uh, it's just been you know evident through the first four games yeah the other team I wanted to talk about uh well teams was the Indianapolis and Chicago game um I was pretty skeptical about the Colts in general. Their defense it has been lights out ever since Jacksonville torched them somehow. Um, 
And Jonathan Taylor has been amazing, man. But you know, I don't know if I necessarily buy them in terms of like being a contender. I think they'll make the playoffs, maybe win the division. But you know, they have basically eliminated any deep throws from their playbook. Phil Rivers is basically dinking and dunking, which is a smart decision. Like that—that that is the smart decision for an older quarterback to do. You know, T.Y. Hilton has basically been non-existent, and they don't have other great options. It's just been. The offensive line is amazing and the defense is amazing and that's how they're winning games and they're bullying people. Uh, Nick Foles looked awful today, which I wish I could say I was surprised, but you know, the Colts are, are three and one, um, you know, they're in second place because the Titans are undefeated right now, technically. But uh, what do you make? What did you make of the Colts and the bears today? Um, I mean, falls is falls. You know, everyone had a heart attack last week about, oh, the Eagles should have kept falls. I'm like, this is what he does. Uh, <laughs> he'll have a couple good games or one good game, and then, you know, this happens. So, um, you know, and, and that's not really a diss to him. It's just like, that's that's what he's been in his career. And I, I think people expecting him to have some kind of breakout are, are uh, a little bit crazy. But, the, the Rivers thing is interesting just because, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of dinking and dunking, as you said. There's not a lot of uh, hero ball. They're sort of using him, I guess, kind of as, in a sense, a game manager. They're not asking him to do a lot, and uh, I think that's an interesting approach, but I don't think it's something, for example, the Chargers could have done this year just because they don't have the offensive line uh, capability yeah. to really do that. Um, but yeah, the Colts can certainly do it and, you know, so we'll see what happens when, you know, some team gets a lead on the Colts and Rivers is forced to throw, right? Um, those are the kind of situations I don't think the Colts want to be in, but you know, their defense has been significantly better than I expected. Um, I expect them to be a good defense, but they've really been, uh, great through the first four weeks of the season, like easily a top five. And, uh, yeah, that's that's really about it with the Colts. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, none of their receivers have emerged kind of because their play style. But you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a group collective effort, which I think is an uh, uh, interesting approach. And I'm curious to see how that changes through the next uh, you know 12 games. Yeah, and obviously we're happy for Rivers, right? Like we want to see him succeed. It's just been uh, you know from a objective standpoint, I don't know how much. I buy them in terms of being a contender, but you know, we'll see. Um, as for Nick Foles, you know, him and Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're very similar in that when you don't expect anything out of them, they're great. But when you expect them to be great, they're not that good. So that kind of showed today with, uh, Nick Foles. Um, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see what they do because now Foles has a bad game. Trubisky just had a bad game. You know, how short of a leash are they going to give Foles if Trubisky is Trubisky going to come back at all? So, you know, I think the Bears have some work to do in that division. The Lions have been competitive, at least. You know, they're, they're going to be a tough out. And obviously, the Packers are off to a scorching hot start. Yeah, I think what the Bears really have to do is they got to combine the two quarterbacks. You have to get uh, <laughs> uh, Mitchell Trufolsky, yeah. and he has to... Uh, you got the mobility of Mitch. You got kind of the pocket presence of Foles. And maybe you could have like a 75% of the time good quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that'll be really interesting. Well, <laughs> did you have any other major takeaways from the rest of the games around the league today? Uh, not really. I mean, I was mostly watching the Chargers in the first clock. Obviously, I watched uh, the Browns game, uh, a little bit of that with the Cowboys. Just, you know, it's Dak trying to 
do whatever he can to, to save the team, but that defense yeah. is just on a straight uh, decline. But yeah, Colts-Bears was pretty interesting. Um, the 4 o'clock game that I would say really uh, caught my attention... Uh, what was the 4 o'clock game on the other channel? Um, it was uh, the Bills and the Raiders. Oh. Yeah, the Bills and the Raiders. Uh, Josh Allen uh, has looked better this season, right? You know, we obviously weren't high on him going into the year, but, you know, he's looked better through these first four games. Definitely better pocket presence kind of than I expected. Um, And the Raiders are, you know, still two and two. Um, They've had some good wins, uh, some kind of worse losses. uh, But, you know, today wasn't really just bad loss, in my opinion. They just can't keep up with the bills um so yeah i'm curious to see you know when the chargers match up with this raiders team what that looks like but so far i'm you know so so when it comes to the raiders i uh and (laughs) gruden didn't seem too pleased with Carr today but uh no yeah so i don't know the raiders are you know kind of fringe uh, i mean i really think they're kind of fringe wild card con- contenders not that the chargers are in much of a better position but i do think their schedule sets them up a little bit better than the raiders at least uh so yeah i i don't know uh quite what's gonna happen yeah the raiders are definitely interesting you know i Derek carr he either looks pretty good or he looks bad you know that's kind of just who he is at this point um you know I, i've been very skeptical about Josh Allen and, you know, to his credit, he has improved a lot. Um, but he, he's very Philip rivers esque in that when he does make a mistake, it's just at the worst time possible. And, you know, he had this one play today in the first half, you know, right as they're driving down for, you know, potential field goal. And he just kind of flicked this pass out to Stefan Diggs as he's getting sacked. And he tried to like pitch it basically. And then he got hurt. Obviously he was able to come back in the game, but, yeah, it just is is the boneheaded mistakes that I can't get over for him. Um, but you know, to his credit, he has improved a lot, and if he keeps improving, like I'll certainly own up and and recognize that. But um, obviously, we're we are here for the Chargers podcast. You know, we we are here to talk about the Chargers. Um, you know, to their credit, you know, they played a lot better than I thought they did. Obviously, they did not uh, finish with a win. They lost thirty eight to thirty one uh, to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, unfortunately, you know, I just think that this was a mismatch. You know, I thought Justin Herbert played his butt off. I thought he played, uh, his best game of the year, but it just seemed like the chargers didn't have answers for what the Buccaneers do well. And that's run the ball, precision passing, you know, run defense on the other side, um, which we'll get into more on. But, uh, what did you make of the game today and and just your overall thoughts? So when you say the Chargers played well, I think you mean the Chargers offense played well and the Chargers yes. defense kind of played like shit. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> that was my takeaway from the game. Yes. Um Herbert was obviously very good today. Um you know, I think this was his best game. Just, you know, that uh that uh, you know, back foot throw to oh, Jalen so Guyton good. was just a massive fuck you throw <laughs> to this whole Tampa Bay defense. Um, it was really good. Obviously the, the first hit to Tyron Johnson, but you know, what I really liked, and I was kind of writing about this earlier, what I liked what he did in this game was 
getting guys involved that aren't normally right, which is like obviously you have Tyron Johnson on the first drive of the game. Uh, Parham was active for this game, and he, re- he, you know, he recognizes, hey, Parham has a size mismatch. I'm gonna go after him, right? And um, yeah, that it, it was really that kind of obviously Guyton got a little bit uh, more involved in this game in general. Um, you know, Justin Jackson was back for a little bit, but. It was just finding those guys that aren't normally involved, yeah. like Johnson uh, and Parham, and, and you know making them uh, kind of uh, mismatches in a sense, right? So, and that's what I thought. Uh, you know, someone like Wentz did last year. It's like, all right, well, I have Greg Ward. Well, I'm gonna try to figure out how to use Greg Ward and how to use all these guys. Yeah. Um, and that's what I thought Herbert kind of did today, and. I thought he was really good. And, you know, the last interception was kind of, it seemed like kind of a miscommunication between yes. uh, him and Allen as opposed to like a really bad throw. Um, so, yeah, I, I won't take too much credit from that. But uh, he has certainly set the stage for uh, an interesting decision to come forth from Anthony Lynn. It's going to be so interesting. And you're right, this was his best game. Um, that throw to Jalen Guyton, man off of his back foot and that went so yeah. i went back and watched the video he released that ball from the charters 14 and guyton caught it at the tampa bay 40 and he right. threw it off the back of his foot you know he basically did like a fadeaway jumper from half court and swooshed it <laughs> like it was just incredible and then the throw to tyron johnson traveled 60 yards in the air so yeah. you know i i loved the way that herbert played today you know i thought he was fantastic and and, you know, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. You know, he did not play very well in the first half. Obviously, he threw the pick six to, to Michael Davis. But seeing Justin Herbert step up on these stages, obviously he didn't play super well against the Panthers. But, you know, he's gone toe-to-toe with Mahomes. He's now gone toe-to-toe with Tom Brady as well. And, yeah, obviously I would like to see the Chargers win these games. And, you know, we'll get to why they lost. But right now, this season, you know, we've all been saying that it's a transitional year. But seeing what they have at quarterback now in this fashion, you know, it's just been making me so excited. And, you know, I'm not expecting them to win a lot of games. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I probably wouldn't bet on it. But right now this is all about Justin Herbert, and Justin Herbert has exceeded all of my expectations. He handled pressure again today like a champ. Um, Daniel Popper pointed out that both of his throws to uh, Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton were obviously under pressure. They had that screenplay to Hunter Henry that was under pressure. And Herbert is excelling at all the areas that I thought were his weaknesses. And he's been playing amazing. And on top of everything else today, he was the team's leading rusher. Now, it was only for 14 yards. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the rushing output was not great, which, you know, we kind of expected with Vita Vea and Ndamukong Su and stuff like that. But, you know, Justin Herbert is off to a great start in his Chargers career. I don't know how you can possibly rationalize going to Tyrod Taylor at this point. You know, especially, like, I love the guy. I want to see him succeed, but I personally just, if Tyrod is in today, they probably get blown out. Like, that's just the reality because they had to win this game off of just, or they had to be competitive in this game off of Justin Herbert's arm. And I just don't know if Tyrod Taylor can, can be that kind of quarterback to be competitive in games with his arm. Yeah, so Vita Vey and uh, Ndamukong Kungsu definitely caused problems for the run game, but I would say uh, the main problem with the run game is that Austin Eckler uh, hyperextended his knee. Yeah, uh, obviously. And that yeah. was kind of a disaster. Uh, and at that point, it just became clear 
they didn't trust Justin Jackson enough in this game because this was his first game back, and Joshua Kelly was mostly a mess today. Um, you know, from the fumble at the end of the half to just not really running that efficiently. He caught a couple balls that, you know, ended up being all right. But, um, yeah, I, I wasn't particularly impressed by him today. And, uh, yeah, the run game was just bad, which, which kind of made what Herbert did to an extent more impressive for me. The fact that, you know, cause he had a pretty good run game in Carolina and, or versus Carolina and against the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, today he kind of, you know, not got it done because he didn't get the win, but he kept it competitive without a run game, which I think is super impressive for rookie quarterbacks. Since most of them rely pretty heavily on some kind of uh, run game or the offensive line being very good. Uh, so, you know, he was able to do pressure in his face and, uh, you know, just a, just wish a speedy recovery to Austin Eckler. And, you know, we need him back as, as soon as possible. Um, I think maybe, maybe Justin Jackson can carry the load a little bit for now, but you know, it's just a crushing loss to lose, uh, Austin Eckler like that. It is. And I think this probably is, is the, you know, worst injury besides Derwin James that the Chargers have had because, you know, there, there's obviously Kaiser White to step in for, for Drew Tranquil and Jerry Tillery to step in for Justin Jones and HN and Wosu for, uh, Melvin Ingram and Desmond King for, Chris Harris, but you know we we don't really know what jo- what Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly can do as as full time workhorses. And um, you know I mentioned Justin Herbert leading the team in rushing. Austin Eckler was second. He had two carries for twelve yards, which was second. Um, Justin Jackson had six carries for nine yards, and Joshua Kelly had nine carries for seven yards. So the running game was was not working at all today. You know credit to the Buccaneers, but like you mentioned, you know Austin Eckler losing him that's a huge loss and. You know, I tweeted this out, like, you know, being on the pace guy, it, you know, and it, it doesn't work out all that often, but I mean, he's been, he's on the pace for a 1200 yard season before today in terms of rushing yeah. output. So Austin Eckler has been fantastic and losing him. Uh, Adam Schefter said multiple weeks, you know, I would expect probably like a month. I expect he probably goes on short term IR. Um, I guess that's kind of good news because I, I, when it happened, I thought that his season was done. Like the way that he was not able to put pressure on his leg, I, I fully expected his season to be done. So I guess, you know, we'll wait and see for him to get an MRI tomorrow for it to be official. But if he comes back this year, you know, I think that's, that's a good thing, obviously. Right. Um, yeah, it looked pretty bad. And, and the fact that he kind of like fell, <laughs> he sort of like fell down trying to get onto the cart which was like yeah. concerning. And then they just kept playing on while that was like in the background of the shot. And I was like, all right, this is a little disturbing. Uh, but yeah, it definitely was a bad uh, moment for him. there, just trying to put pressure on it. Um, obviously I think he's going to be out at the minimum three or four weeks. So yeah. that's realistically how long Justin Jackson and Kelly will have to carry things, you know, luckily, um, they, they do get to play the Saints defense next week, which hasn't been particularly good. And then you get into some opponents like the Jets and the Dolphins and the Jaguars. So it's not the worst stretch to not have Austin Eckler in, um, but it's certainly not not a good thing for him to be at at all. Yeah, obviously the timing is, is it's not terrible. You know, like you mentioned, the games coming up are winnable, and if this team can you know, win some games after the saints game. I don't, 
I don't know. I, obviously, I want them to win next Monday, but you know, I'm not counting on it. Um, so if they can get some wins going against the Jets and things like that, and then you get Ingram back and Chris Harris and Eckler and all these guys, you know, maybe they can go on a bit of a run. Okay, let's talk about this awful defensive performance today. Um, Michael Davis, you know, he has improved, but, you know, he had a pick six as well, obviously, but uh, he was picked on a lot by Tom Brady. I thought Mike Evans on one leg had an amazing game. He had seven catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Scotty Miller had five catches for 83 and a touchdown. OJ Howard had three catches for 50, 50 yards and a touchdown. Justin Watson had four for 40. You know, even Gronk had a deep ball. So, you know, Tom Brady, he just kind of, you know, sliced and diced the Chargers like we saw in 2018, except this year, his arm, it was not because of him. Like, it was almost exclusively because of the Tampa Bay skill players. Like, you know, Kaiser Wright almost had an interception on the completion to Gronk. Casey Hayward got turned around a couple of times by Scotty Miller and by Mike Evans. Uh, this secondary took a massive step back from what we are accustomed to seeing. Yeah. Uh, so, so starting with the defensive line, it, it was just a mess today because they just couldn't get any pressure. Um, they, they had a couple sacks of Brady in the first half, but nothing that was really. So they, uh, they had terrible. a couple hits on Brady. They didn't have any sacks in the game at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they got that big hit from Perriman. Um, yeah, they hit so, him a couple but, times, uh, but no sacks. Right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they got good pressure on Brady, I thought, in the first half. And then after that, it was just they couldn't get anything. And, you know, I, I sort of expected that because we saw what happened in Carolina last week. Uh, and Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones were out. And I, I think the loss of Justin Jones in this game was felt you know, with yeah, how Ronald Jones was running the ball, obviously. Uh, and, you know, think about how not close this game might have been if Ronald Jones could catch a football. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn dropped two passes, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. They have Shady McCoy, but they just decided not to use him. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The Bucks. Yeah, they just made the defensive line look kind of silly. Uh, the Bosa thing is a little bit disturbing at this point with two pretty bad performances back-to-back. Um, I wonder if, you know, he's just not uh, able to kind of make the same moves with the, you know, lingering triceps injury. Um, so I, I wonder if that comes into play a little bit. But, um, yeah, it, the defensive line was bad. The linebackers were pretty okay. So their second level was, was generally fine. They didn't allow, like, a ton of big plays from it. Um, but the secondary was a mess. And to me, you really felt the loss of Chris Harris in this game. Not necessarily because of the slot. I thought Desmond King was okay. Uh, but really what Chris Harris allowed you to do was, or, you know, if he's the second quarterback opposite Hayward, you know, you can kind of move Michael Davis around and you don't have to have him as the designated yeah. second corner. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as Michael Davis got that pick six, it felt like Brady wanted to go on a revenge tour and yeah. he certainly did. <laughs> That's um, a good point. And, yeah. And, uh, he just went after Davis, you know, and kind of. Went after sort of his weaknesses of, you know, biting on certain uh, looks. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he burnt them pretty good. And this is a game 
where I think if they have Chris Harris, it might be a significant enough difference to win the game. Um, just because, you know, playing Michael Davis like they played him against the Chiefs uh, and uh, to an extent against the Panthers is just a very different, you know, version where he, yeah. he doesn't have to play second corner um, or not play it as consistently as he did in this game. Obviously, he pretty much took all the snaps in second corner. Uh, so that was really my um, grudges with the defense were the secondary. Uh, uh, yeah, honestly, as you said, Hayward didn't play that well today. There was that uh, Mike Evans pass or, or Mike Evans catch where he got kind of turned around a little bit by Mike Evans. Uh, I don't know if it was a push-off, really. It was kind of, eh. But... He wasn't that good today. Michael Davis wasn't that good today. Defensive line was pretty bad today. And that was really the football game. Um, and, you know, when you give Brady uh, time to throw, when you give him a, you know, sneaky little white guy to throw to, <laughs> you know, that's that's really all he needs to kill you, as the Chargers learned several, several times over uh, when Tom Brady was on the Patriots. Yeah, they have two sneaky white guys and Scotty Miller and, and Justin Watson. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I to Desmond King's credit, I'll start there. You know, he was very good in the run game. You know, he made some some significant tackles in the first half. He definitely was trying to send a message to someone, you know, like, hey, you know, he was very, uh, you know, playing with his hair on fire kind of situation. And, you know, mm-hmm. good for him. Like, that's what the team probably needs to see out of him. But... You know, I was having this discussion with someone on Twitter with the Chris Harris thing because I agree with you. I think, you know, especially with Mike Hop, with how hobbled Mike Evans was, you can stick Chris Harris on him and, and, you know, you have some of those big plays, you know, mitigated. And, you know, Casey Hayward was bad. But if you have Chris Harris, Casey Hayward together, you know, then you're probably pretty set. So I I agree with you. Um, To me, this game ultimately was about the the defensive and offensive lines you know to the credit of the chargers offensive line they only gave up two sacks and one of them was uh, a play where herbert rolled out and and you know took it himself it wasn't a fault of the offensive line but you know they just couldn't get any push up front and then you know ronald jones had 120 yard or not 120 had 111 yards rushing and a touchdown or no he didn't have a touchdown i'm sorry uh he had 111 yards and was basically just getting anything he wanted and you know, you mentioned Justin Jones. Jerry Tillery, to his credit, had started the season off very well, but he's very much a specialist right now at this point in his career. Like he is a pass rushing specialist. That's how he needs to be used. And Justin Jones is clearly better than him uh, in run situations. I thought Linval Joseph played okay. You know, he, he made some good good uh, run stuff he plays. But you know, if the Chargers are not getting production out of Achuna and Wosu and Joey Bosa, their pass rush is in trouble and. And, you know, everybody was calling for more blitzes. I counted at least nine blitzes from Gus Bradley. Uh, a couple of them, uh, you know, affected Tom Brady's passes. But, you know, you're not going to – the the formula for beating Tom Brady is very similar. Like, you have to make him feel you. You have to hit home. And, you know, they got one interception. But they got zero sacks. You're not beating Tom Brady ever if you get zero sacks. Like, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. No. Totally agree. So – um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, Anthony Lynn's decision to punt. I can understand the logic. You know, there was, I think, seven minutes and change left at the time when he punted in the fourth quarter. 
Um, and the Chargers offensive line was not getting push at all, like I said. But at some point, like at some point, he needs to send a message to his team, like, listen, I believe in my offense enough to get these situations done. You know, this is now the second time in a clutch situation that he has decided to punt. And it, and, you know, it didn't bite them in the ass as much as it did against the Chiefs today. You know, the defense fortunately had a couple drops by Kishon Vaughn to uh, hold on to hold the Buccaneers to a field goal. But, you know, these decisions to punt, I, 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 I just, I'm running out of, things to defend him on in those kind of situations. Like at some point we need to see him learn from these mistakes and go and, and be aggressive in these situations. Yeah. Uh, when it came to the chiefs one in overtime, I understood that because I mean, it was Herbert's first game and I don't know if you want to put him under that kind of pressure in that game. And you know, the defense was playing really well in that game. So it's like, all right, you know, let's, Let's um let's let the defense try to win this one or try to stop the Chiefs and that I totally understood. Absolutely. Um, the fourth and one here wasn't. I mean, yeah, I I felt that they should have gone for it. I get why they felt conservative about it because obviously, as we said, they were having trouble running the ball all day because of the Austin Eckler injury primarily, and Kelly was pretty bad. Jackson wasn't really a factor. And uh, that's really what it came down to. I that that's what I think their decision really was. I wonder if Austin Eckler, um, if he was healthy, I, I wonder if they would have gone for it. But I think yeah. because he wasn't healthy, that really uh, made their decision quite a bit harder. Um, but yeah, I honestly I would have even liked to have seen something like a you know. Carson Wentz style, like QB sneak, something like that. Yeah. You know, you get up to the line really quick and, and just go. But, you know, um, I don't know. I, I felt like I get why they punted. There there was still a lot of time left, but a Brady offense can just burn up time so fast. And that's really uh, what happened on that drive. And then, you know, Herbert felt the need to take, uh, you know, pretty, you know, uh, deep shots on the last drive. And that didn't work out. So I would have gone for it on the fourth down. I understand why Anthony Lynn didn't. Um, but, yeah, it's not going to win him over the fan base, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, they did go for it on fourth and on the fourth down earlier in the game. So I guess to me, I, I would just like to see some consistency. Like if you're if you have fourth and ones and you have the mentality of like we're going to be aggressive in certain situations then I feel like you should be aggressive in most of the situations. Like you mentioned, the Chiefs game, I totally understand because the Chief, the Chargers defense had been playing really well that game. Today, they were not playing well at all. So today, I, I'm, I'm much more critical of, of this decision today. Um, Shane Steichen, I thought, had a great game. You know, I thought he learned from he's learned from his mistakes every single week, right? And today, he finally realized that you know, we need to open this up more. We need to be aggressive deep. And that's obviously what kept the Chargers in the game. And, you know, everybody kind of laughed at and Anthony Lynn saying that they had a plan for the Buccaneers pass rush, but they did for the most part. You know, they did a really good job having quick throws. They did a hard counts on a bunch of plays. They did max protect very often, especially on the deep shot to Tyron Johnson. And, you know, for the most part, I thought the offensive line in passing situations did a really good job today. Yeah, the offensive line was pretty solid. Um, 
I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Sam Tebby is the best offensive lineman on the team. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I would agree with uh, that, but you know, he, he definitely I, I has mean, improved a ton. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been the best offensive lineman this year. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a stretch. He's consistently kind of allowed the fewest pressures, and today he had to deal a lot with Shaq Barrett and some of those guys. Uh, I, I thought he handled it really well today, and... Um, so yeah, Sam Tevy uh, was pretty good today, and then we obviously had uh, yeah Forrest Lamp. Really, the left side of the line has been solid, and uh, even today, you know, even though with Blog and Turner, I thought the right side uh, did pretty okay for the most part. Uh, you had Pipkins, and you uh, Ryan. Uh, Roy. Oh, you had uh, Ryan Groy and Tyree St. Louis, uh, kind of shifting again um but yeah i don't know the right side of the line was fine today they didn't really do anything that was terribly egregious um i thought you know just kind of watching the game obviously i didn't get to see a ton of the line interactions i won't get to see that till the coach's film comes out um but I, i did think in general the game was a lot of the left side is stronger than the right side at this time without blog and turner um you know, it's a, it's just a moment where the run game, I, you know, honestly, without Austin Eckler, I don't know that there's a ton of that the offensive line could have done about the run game. Yeah, um, that was just such a brutal loss to take, especially that early in the game. Uh, so, yeah, I, the offensive line did what they could. Uh, there, you know, just wasn't uh, a ton of leverage going against this defensive line. And it felt like it was always going to be a mismatch. But, you know, to Anthony Lynn's credit, as you said, the Chargers used a lot of, like, you know, uh, quick stuff, a lot of hard counts, and, uh, you know, did pretty well in the circumstances. And, uh, yeah, Anthony Lynn has, uh, you know, got a lot of heat for that quote that they're not scared of the Bucks defensive <laughs> line. But uh, I think he proved it today. And, like, what is he supposed to say? Like, oh, I'm terrible. Like, I was I was scared, yeah, from a spectator standpoint. But what is Anthony Lynn supposed to say? I'm so scared of the Buccaneers. No, like, fuck that. Like, he needs to go and and believe in his guys. And you know, I thought Anthony Lynn and and the coaching staff offensively had a very good game plan. It's just you know a couple you know decisions I didn't really agree with. Um, everybody's kind of roasting him for the decision to to come uh, right before the second half and, and go for it. You know, they everybody's saying like that they should have taken a knee, and obviously that would have you know uh, not allowed Joshua Kelly and Justin Herbert to botch that handoff and fumble. But then again, like if he took a knee, then everybody would be criticizing him for not being aggressive. And so there's definitely a gray area there. Um, It's just unfortunate, right? That that had to happen that way, and then the Buccaneers were able to get a touchdown. But you know, nine times out of ten, that play you know it doesn't result in a fumble. It's just bad luck right. unfortunately yeah i mean it was just a bad handoff and then you know it was kind of bad from the offensive line standpoint the kelly standpoint and the herbert handoff standpoint so it was just kind of uh a lot of miscommunication and error kind of combined into one yeah. big mistake um but yeah as you said like 99 percent of the time that play at the end of the half doesn't result in a fumble so like people can say oh they should need on it but i mean you know, it's kind of just the fault of the execution. It's not the fault of the play. Yeah. And I thought it was fine. And like I mentioned, you know, 
I thought Shane Steichen was really good today. I thought that he has been improving each week. So I'm really excited to go back and watch this film. Obviously, when uh, the coach's film comes out, we'll, we'll get some main takeaways there. Um, if, let's shift now to these uh, listener reactions. So we have three of them that I'm going to play. Um, again, these were kind of just randomly selected. Uh, we got uh, about seven uh, responses from some of you. So we'll play a few of them now. Um, let me find them. I'm obviously just going to, I'm going to play them off of my phone because I think that's the easiest way to do it right now. Okay. So the first one that we're going to play is from Zach Whitaker. Um, shout out to Zach. He's been one of our most loyal listeners, uh, so far since we started. Um, so here is his response to the game. Well, fellas, I gave myself time to calm down, gather my thoughts after the game. I don't want to give a knee-jerk reaction to anything. Uh, these moral victories ain't cutting it. First two losses against the Chiefs and the Panthers. You could see the future with Herbert, and you can see it more than ever today. But, uh, I mean, it's not his fault. That, bat, that, that interception was not pretty, but... Rookie mistake. It's going to happen. But uh, I don't want heads to roll by any means, but what's the difference? I mean, we can't – these one-score games the last two years. In 2018, we won them all damn near. This year it just seems like – this year and last year it seems like we can't. I don't know if that's a mentality from coaching. I mean, it's, it starts with the players, really, because you got to will yourself to win, and I just don't know <clears> – <throat> I don't know what the deal is there. I just can't understand how we can do that game after game after game. It's got to be wearing on these players. And uh, I'm worried they're going to not start Herbert and it's going to cause some problems in the locker room. I don't think Tyrod should lose his job the way he did or the way he could potentially, but I don't also think you can sit Herbert and, you know, say you're trying to win football games because the offense clearly runs better with Herbert. And uh, at secondary, without Chris Harris and without Chris Harris, it's a lot. It's it's not that great. I mean, Casey just got work today, which is <clears throat> not very common. But uh, Nas ain't really he's not playing that great. They touched down to Mike Evans. He just kind of got sucked in and didn't play his zone deep in the deep in the end zone. Which I mean, he's a young player. He's played just as many game, one more game than Herbert has. So I mean, he's going to have to learn. But I don't know, man. <clears throat> I hope I hope Herbert starts next week. It's probably going to be Tyrod, but I think Herbert gives us the best chance to win going forward. And so, uh, thank you, Zach, for your submission. Um, yeah, I do agree with him. I do think Justin Herbert gives them the best chance to win going forward. Um, as for these one score games, man, I, I honestly don't know what to make of them. A lot of, I hate to like give this answer, but a lot of winning the NFL is really just luck. Like it's just that, yeah, it, it's as simple sometimes as guys need to step up and make plays. And, you know, I hate to kind of like blame the players in these situations, but you know, he mentioned this here, Adderley, like if Adderley makes that play against Mike Evans, doesn't give up a touchdown. You know, if Casey Hayward steps up today, you know, maybe this is a different game. So, um, I don't know. What do you make of the, all these one, one, uh, one score losses from the last two years? Um, it's the chargers. I mean, <laughs> they play, they play close games. Uh, and 
most of the time they don't come out on top. Uh, you know, t 2017 and 2018 felt like, you know, kind of um, different years in that, you know, they, they were able to kind of just seal the deal in one score games. I also thought they had a, kind of a better team, obviously, in 2018, uh, when you consider everything together, and obviously then they had a kind of veteran quarterback, and it wasn't such a transitional year. Um, with 2019, I mean, a lot of that was uh, the turnovers. A lot of that was uh, just the egregious offensive line play compared to this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously the defense, much like this year, was also missing some uh key pieces last year, unfortunately, Derwin, uh, just like this year. So, um, you know, I mean, I think this year they're honestly, I don't think it's that they're bad. I just think it's that they're shorthanded. Like, yeah. I mean, compared to, compared to any other year, this is definitely the worst year for chargers injuries to this point. I mean, you can make an argument for, you know, obviously Adrian Phillips and Derwin James went down last year, but this is now, you know, Derwin James, Austin Eckler, um, you know, you have the Chris Harris, uh, Melvin Ingram, Justin Jones, you know, the list goes on. And then obviously Mike Williams on offense, Brian Malaga, Trey Turner. Um, so, yeah, you know, you can keep going <laughs> really down the list. But it's um, I, I think that, you know, when you don't have depth in one score games and you, you don't have guys that you can kind of effectively go to and you're just, you know, not as deep in certain positions that really hurts you in the ability to keep up in one score games and, uh, and make it really competitive. So, uh, yeah. And as you said, like, uh, or as he said, you know, Herbert's going to make that interception mistake, right. That's not something that's going to be uncommon. So I think it's, um, I think it's a combination of the fact that the roster is kind of devastated injury wise right now. And, um, you know, there is a bit of a transition at quarterback and there's uh, a lot of a learning process behind that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's frustrating, and I, I totally get the frustrations. Like I said, like I want to see them win, and I I do think they should have beaten the Panthers. Like I I'm not mad at the loss today as much as I was as at the loss last week because I thought that they should have won. You know, I I'm all about managing expectations right now this year, and I you know I fully did not expect the Chargers to even be super competitive in this game. I thought it was a big mismatch on paper. So I get the frustration and, you know, I'm sick of the moral victories too, but right now it's all about Justin Herbert's development. And unfortunately that might lead to some more losses. Um, so we'll get to our next listener submission from Matthew Henriksen. Um, many of you know him on Twitter as get some sports. Um, he's obviously been one of the bigger supporters from our podcast as well. Uh, let's listen to what he has to say. Guilty as charged. I'm going to like this short and sweet. This is Get Some Sports Twitter and Instagram. Uh, a lot of positives. I'm not going to dwell too much on the loss. Uh, overall, I feel like we have a very loose play calling on the offensive side and the defensive side after the second half uh, starts off. Uh, Kaiser White definitely looks like he is just totally being outplayed. Uh, his alignments are way off, and I don't even think he's ready for this position. Uh, he had a lot of good things last season, but now looking at him being in this role that he has to be in, they're going to burn him every time. 
he has to stay inside. He cannot drop back for pass protection. It's just not ever going to happen. He's getting fried. I can't handle it. I'm stressed out. <laughs> All right. Uh, more positives. Offensive line looked uh, pretty good overall. I think they did a great job. Tillery is just on a tear. Uh, Denzel Perriman just looks super fast. I'm just, I cannot wait. The future has definitely got a lot of positives for this team. Uh, and on to my last call, Herbert. Oh, my God. Uh, even under pressure, that kid can drop a dime over 20 yards. And that is just such a hard thing to see a new quarterback have. So many veteran quarterbacks can't even throw over 20 yards that perfect, especially with that much kind of pressure on him. I love your show. Love everything you guys do. Uh, have a good Sunday. I'm going to go drink the pain away. <laughs> Yes, I know quite a few Chargers fans who uh, messaged me saying that they were going to go and uh, drink the pain away. Um, you know, as for the Kaiser White point, um, he did not play super well today. Granted, he played really good against the Panthers, and uh, I tweeted this out. You know, he has become he's come inches away from several turnovers this year. Um, so I. I'm not going to say I take issue with that point. I think Kaiser White has is obviously had some, you know, learning curve issues from this year, but you know, I'm excited about Kaiser and I think he's going to be a good player. Um, you know, the Justin Herbert thing, you know, he, that's the the positive, you know, spin right now and I'm glad that he pointed out, you know, at the end of the day everyone's going to remember, you know, what Justin Herbert becomes and you know, he's certainly off to a hot start right now. Right. Um, when it comes to the Kaiser thing, I think is like they don't really have a choice but to drop him back in a coverage. Yeah. Right? I mean, what are we going to drop Denzel Perriman back in the coverage? <laughs> <laughs> like, right. And again, Kenneth Murray, you know, he drops back in a coverage sometimes, but I mean, it's very clear that he's still learning. So Kaiser White is the most veteran, you know, drop back uh, linebacker that they really have. Um, so, you know, it doesn't look pretty because it isn't, but I, I don't know if there's a linebacker that gets it done better. Even if we had Drew Tranquil, like, I don't know if that would make a ton of difference uh, in Kaiser White's play. Um, or, you know, I don't think Drew Tranquil would be significantly better uh, at, you know, dropping back into coverage as a linebacker. None of them are Levante David or something. Uh, so right. I, um, yeah, I, I definitely see the, the point with Kaiser, right? He, I don't think he looked as good as he could have in this game, but I don't think there's really any flexibility or room where they can wiggle and then find a better option here. Yeah. And to his credit, Kaiser was in good position on most of the, um, most of the plays. There was the play that OJ Howard beat him pretty bad for the touchdown. But if that Denzel Perryman, man, you know, that's not even, <laughs> there's, that's no contest. And the one against Gronk, like Gronk does that to everybody, unfortunately. You know, that that's just, you know, Gronk being stronger than Kaiser and being stronger than everybody else in the league. Like we've seen that, you know, for the last decade. So I can understand the criticism a little bit. He did not have a great game today, but, you know, if, if he's, you know, a little inch over to the right and picks that ball off against Gronk, you know, we're having a, a totally different discussion right now. So we'll get to our last one that again was randomly selected. Uh, this one from Craig Smith. Oh. Hey fellas, it's Craig in Texas. I was 
fully prepared to come on and roast myself based off of uh, the beginning of this game. But in true Chargers fashion, we blew it. So here are my thoughts. Instant reaction. Anthony Lynn does not seem to be improving as a head coach. All the blame doesn't fall on him as he doesn't call the plays offensively or defensively. It's enough blame to go around. I imagine James Campen is in a bathroom stall right now in tears, asking God what he got himself into. I'm starting to wonder whether or not Shane Steichen is Ken Wisenhunt's illegitimate son. Uh, Gus Bradley has been living off of the talent of the Legion of Boom for years and maybe the laziest defensive coordinator in all of football. His scheme is totally dependent on having elite talent. I could go on, but I know we said keep it to 90 seconds. Mm, all hell, Justin Herbert. <laughs> but um, even his play can't cover up for the stench of failure on this franchise right now. And uh, the honeymoon's over. So guess we'll see how the rest of the year goes. Bolt up or whatever. Bolts up or whatever. I love that. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> um, you know, we've, we've talked about Gus Bradley a little bit. I counted nine blitzes. Uh, I'm anxious to watch the film and see uh, if that is right or what. But, you know, I, I think that Gus has adjusted a little bit from, you know, the last few years uh, of playing exclusively zone, zone coverage. Um, a lot of that has been because of Chris Harris. I think he's played a little bit more man. I think the blitz calls have come on crucial downs. And, you know, if anyone wants to scroll through the GEC Podcast 17 Twitter page, I tweeted about every single blitz. That was something that I had planned to do today. Um, I counted nine. I tweeted about nine. So I understand that it's frustrating. You know, I don't, I don't want to bring back the injuries thing. But, you know, Gus Bradley, his scheme works some games and it doesn't work other games, unfortunately. And, and is he living off the Legion of Boom? Maybe, but you know, he had a he had a very important role in developing the Legion of Boom. So yeah, uh, that's kind of a tricky thing. And that was you know he became the Jacksonville head coach in like 2013. So um, that's kind of a lot of digging into the past. As for Shane Steichen, I thoroughly disagree. I think Ken was in Hunt basically got the job back in L.A. because of his relationship with Philip Rivers, and uh, you know Ken was in Hunt. At the end of the and the end of the day, people need to realize that Philip Rivers checked out of basically every play, every play call. So we never really know what you know Ken was not called. Shane Steichen, however, he's improved every single game, and you know we need to remember that this is his first year calling his own system, and they did it. They have had no off season. They didn't have any preseason for install. So right now, the only thing we should be expecting out of Shane Steichen is for him to improve every single week. And that's what he's done. Obviously, it's not perfect. There are certain situations where he's a little too passive, but he's learning from his mistakes and he's improving every single game. And, you know, right now I'm okay with Shane Steichen. Yeah, I don't know exactly how you turn the Chargers having their highest scoring output into an argument (laughs) against Steichen at this point, but... Yeah, um, I, I get the frustrations with Steichen at some points, right? The Carolina game was not his finest moment, and uh, nor was the Bengals. But 
you know, it's still earlier in the season. He's still uh, developing as an OC himself, and I think you have to look at the Chiefs and Buccaneers games and go, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. Um, and uh, that's just what I've seen from him so far. As for Gus Bradley, I understand the argument that he's coasting on the Legion of Boom and he's a little bit overrated, but, you know, say that he, you know, can't run a defense without elite talent. Okay, but... That's everyone. What do, <laughs> right, yeah, that that is kind of everyone. And also, this defense, uh, you know, is not just not having elite talent, it's not having, like, some of the guys that are pretty pivotal. Like, we, we mentioned Justin Jones. I don't think Justin Jones is this elite guy, but what Justin Jones brings is, you know, a viable run stuffer, right? Um, I don't know if people think about Melvin Ingram at this point as an elite defensive end, but he clearly brings uh, a lot of, you know, rushing ability off the edge uh, and brings a bit of like a spark to the team. Right. Um, so, it, you know, it's things like that. Obviously, Chris Harris, we mentioned on defense, um, you know, it's things like that where it's just like, I don't think Gus is just playing with, you know, um, you know, not elite talent. I think he's playing with you know, pretty subpar talent in, in some facets, right? We, we just had to sign Jaleel die out the practice squad. Uh, and, you know, he was right. inactive for this game, but, you know, a couple things happened and he could be active one week, right? So um, that's kind of the state that the defense is in right now. And also remember, right, we had Drew Tranquil and uh, a number of other injuries on the defense. So I, I, I get the criticism of Gus. I don't love everything he does. Um, but I, I, there are some things I can criticize him for today, but it, it was a lot on, I think the personnel, um, in this situation as opposed to the scheme. Um, when it comes to Anthony Lynn, you know, I, my expectation was always that this was going to be a transitional year. So I get why Chargers fans are mad whenever they lose a game. Right. And I, I totally think that some the last two games in particular, uh, falls on Lynn when it comes to uh, just execution, but you know, I mean, Lynn's doing what he could, and he's in a bit of a precarious position because you know he had Tyrod Taylor as quarterback, and then oh, Tyrod Taylor's not your quarterback anymore, right? So that's a pretty big, you know, adjustment in terms of how you're communicating with the team and how you're communicating really with both the offense and the defense uh, to some extent. That's a massive change so plus you know there was no preseason and no time to get used to things so to me i don't really have a lot of you know a big uh judgment to make on lynn yet yeah and you know i at the end of the day people need to understand this anthony lynn is not going anywhere unless the chargers go like three and 13 Anthony Lynn's job is safe because this season is all about justin herbert and whether or not we, as fans, like it or not, Justin Herbert has exceeded all expectations, and some of that will be, you know, credit to Anthony Lynn. And so, as long as Justin Herbert keeps progressing, you know, Anthony Lynn's going to keep his job. That's what this team is going to judge him on. And if you know they go three and thirteen, maybe they move on. But you know, if they're six and ten, and, and Justin Herbert continues to play well, then Anthony Lynn's going to stick around. And that's just the reality of the situation right now. 
Yeah, I want to remind people that Anthony Lynn was the one who took Justin Herbert <laughs> when about 80% of us didn't believe in him. Yes, uh, yes. So that's kind of important, and that includes myself. Yeah, and, you know, it's so funny to me. Like, everybody is so critical of what he says about Justin Herbert, and it's like him stating facts like, he played well, but we lost. Well, how dare he? All he is saying is facts. <laughs> like, he's literally stating a fact. And then after right. you heard that one, you know, 10-second clip, he went on to say that Justin played really well. He handled the pressure. He did. And then, you know, from Monday, everybody was mad at him saying that he did some grown-up things against the Panthers. It's like, that's a good thing. Like, all of you, please stop reading so much into Anthony Lynn's comments about Justin Herbert. He likes him. He believes in him. The play on the field is showing us that they believe in him. If they didn't believe in him, they wouldn't call these deep shot plays. If they didn't believe in him, like you said, they wouldn't have drafted him. So please, like, take a deep breath and stop trying to decipher everything Anthony Lynn says at the podium. If you try and decipher what coaches say from the podium, you will go insane because every coach in the NFL lies from the podium. Anthony Lynn is not the only one who has stuff from the podium that fans don't like. The only one who says, who doesn't say things that fans don't like from the podium is Bill Belichick. And that's because he doesn't say anything at all, ever. (laughs) So please (laughs) stop trying to decipher everything that Anthony Lynn says from the podium. It will drive you crazy. As for Gus Bradley, yes, he relies on elite talent. So does everyone. The reality of the Chargers defense right now is that they have one elite player who is healthy, who is not healthy at all, which is clear from his play. And they have some, you know, soon to be bright spots in Kenneth Murray, Jenna Nwosu, and Jerry Tillery. And then they have a couple solid vets in Linval Joseph and Casey Hayward. And that's the reality of the situation for Casey Hayward right now. He is not the same player that we saw last year. He has two really bad games and two good games. He is not an elite corner right now. And so, yes, Gus Bradley relies on elite talent. That's what everyone does. That's what everyone relies upon. Otherwise, you know, you're just the Falcons and Cowboys who give up a ton of <laughs> yards on offense or on defense. Excuse me. No, I agree. totally agree. Um, yeah, just the Lynn Herbert stuff. It's like I don't know why people try to read into what coaches say. Like, there's a reason coach speak became a term and yes. all of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's why most of the time I don't really watch Lynn's press conferences and I just see whatever Stephen posts on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> whatever, uh, you know, what there is blame for Lynn is Lynn made Joe Reed inactive today. Yeah. And uh, for this, uh, I am declaring a jihad <laughs> on the Chargers organization. Uh, but in all seriousness, no, um, no, nah, I mean, I think Lynn's been relatively fine this season considering the circumstances um and how everything has gone down since about week two um starting with the tie rod punctured lung and to where we are now um i don't think a three-game losing streak is good and obviously you know lynn like much of the fan base is getting tired of, of moral victories and all that um but um you know i just think you have to acknowledge the reality that this was always kind of a transitional year and um, you know, Lynn will sink or swim on his own merits. Um, but so far, I don't think, other than the fourth and one today, um, that he did anything 
super egregious that I think, you know, uh, should have been changed really throughout the most of the year. Uh, it's, it's just about personnel and, and trying to fit everyone everywhere and trying to get guys experience, trying to get guys reps, um, without a preseason, without much planning, plus all the injuries. I, it's, it's not an easy job for Lynn. It, it isn't. And, you know, my biggest criticism of Anthony Lynn, honestly, is the personnel decisions, like you mentioned. You know, I understand, you know, there was this report that came out that Joe Reed is struggling with his routes, potentially struggling with his blocking. I understand that, but, I mean, you spent a fifth-round draft pick on this guy. And so, you know, deactivating him in favor of a couple undrafted guys in Tyron Johnson and Jason Moore, you know, to his credit, Tyron Johnson played well. He had, you know, the one big mm-hmm. catch, obviously. But Jason Moore hardly did anything. You're telling me that Joe Reed can't come in and get some end arounds, get some jet sweeps, and, and at least, like, contribute to the offense? And, you know, Donald right. Parham, he had one really great play. Like, where has that been all year from? Like, so personnel decisions and his confusing, you know, decisions to not play young players in certain situations is definitely a, a legitimate criticism and it's one that I have and it's frustrating because you know we see the talent you know we see the kickoff return and even the short end around that they did run in, in Kansas City where Joe Reed had a good play like we see the talent but because he's not a, as good of a blocker as, as Jason Moore you know he's not playing so if you want to talk to me about Anthony Lynn's personnel decisions you know I think that's a fair criticism but in terms of overall as him as a head coach i think he's i think he's good to above average and you know for the chargers that's that's pretty good because mike mccoy was terrible norv turner was terrible and obviously marty Marty schottenheimer was really good and then they decided to let go of him which which kind of sucks but you know anthony lynn's not perfect but i mean unless they can get a clear upgrade from him like eric Bieniemy, which isn't going to happen you know anthony lynn i'm okay with him yeah, for sure. So uh, I don't want to spend too much time about game balls, especially on defense, because I don't really feel like anyone deserves one on defense. Um, <laughs> my only game ball for today is Justin Herbert, man. And I continue to be impressed. He didn't get the 300 yards, but he came damn close. Um, he just continues to make plays under pressure. He continues to show off his his physical talent. Uh, the one thing I want to see him work on is running with a little more confidence. You know, he had another play where he like right. – could have gotten out of bounds and, and, and didn't get out there quick enough and just seemed kind of like he was expecting to not be hit. I don't really know. Um, but then he had that one option where he faked the option and took it for six or seven yards, which I thought was great. I I have loved what I have seen from Justin Herbert. I'm so excited to watch his film from this week. And, you know, he, he has improved every single week. And, you know, like I said, he's exceeded all expectations. I'm all in. I hope that they continue to start him as much as I like Tyrod. Uh, So Justin Herbert gets my only game ball for today. Yeah, I would agree that Justin Herbert definitely deserves uh, the game ball. Uh, No one on defense deserves uh, anything. (laughs) Um, So I think that's fair. Uh, And then if I had to give another offensive game ball, I'd go with uh, Keenan Allen. I mean, Keenan Allen played pretty well today. That catch he had on the sideline oh, was just so insane. Good. So yeah, good. I was just like, how did he come down with that inbounds? But, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I would give it to Herbert. Just the way he was able to really have that pocket poise and, and do some fakes and, and get out. Um, I thought that was pretty awesome. 
my non-game ball goes to to hear Whitehead for his uh, Bush League hit. Bush League. <laughs> so bad. And Winfield had a, yeah. a bad hit on, on, I think, Herbert, too. But no, Winfield was the one who hit Eckler after he, like, pulled up. Oh, but, yeah. You know, you know, Tampa Bay's defense, I thought, was was very aggressive in, in every facet of the game. Um, in terms of Buccaneers, I do want to say, Tristan Wirfs, you know, he looks really freaking good. And, you know, I know Joe Bo- Joey is, is not healthy, but, you know, Tristan Wirfs holding his own against Joey Bosa was, was damn impressive to me. Yeah, Wirfs was good. Uh, I was really impressed by uh, the white guy doing what he did as a receiver. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yes, Scotty, whatever. Um, he was pretty good. Um, I, I think it was mostly the Chargers' defense being bad, but Brady just has a tendency of, uh, you know, making some of those you know, white guys uh, play a lot better than uh, maybe they are uh, to some extent. Uh, but you know, he played he, he played pretty well against you know um, really all the coverage in the secondary. So you know, there's not much I could say other than you know. Welcome to your new Wes Welker, Tom Brady. Yeah, he loves those white guys, man. Um, <laughs> granted, I don't think Scotty Miller is like is as talented as Julian Edelman and Wes Welker were, but I right, guess we'll see. No. Um, so, any other thoughts before we wrap up today? Um, no, about it for me. Um, obviously, going into this week is going to be a heck of a QB decision and yeah. a heck of a Monday night football game in New Orleans where... They're likely going to have a crowd um, per the, I, I believe the mayor and the governor are talking about having some limited fans. So we'll see how that goes today. I, I will say, though, because the Chargers' first three games were pretty much with no crowds. Uh, so I will say that was a little bit of an interesting, different experience now that they kind of had that it was a small crowd in Tampa Bay. But, you know, it was notable. You know, you could hear fans cheering uh, and it wasn't quite the same as like empty crowd noise right you could hear a little bit uh in the stadium so uh i think that was interesting and i'll i'll i'm curious to see how the chargers do with uh going forward and maybe there will be some fans allowed at sofi at some time um but yeah or steven's nodding his no. head no so i no. don't know anything about california politics yeah. so uh <laughs> yeah, Newsom sucks and that's all you need to know about that um okay uh <laughs> So he's yeah. I don't, I don't think there will be fans at SoFi. I don't think there will be fans at Levi Stadium either. Um, I think mm-hmm. most of the teams in the league will get some fans, um, you know, throughout the rest of the year. The this week is definitely going to be challenging, man. New Orleans they they won today. You know they haven't looked like themselves, but Michael Thomas uh, should be back, which you know have, not having Chris Harris is is not going to be fun. Alvin Kamara is back to his 2018 self, which is terrifying. So it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch Justin Herbert in this situation. Hopefully, um, if Tyrod plays, I I can't imagine that this game is very competitive. As much as I like Tyrod as a person, I think the Chargers probably get down early and will need to throw to get back. And uh, I just don't know if Tyrod can do that. So it's gonna be a challenge, man. But you know, I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully, we get some clarity on the quarterback situation tomorrow from Anthony Lynn. Uh, I doubt it, but we'll see how Tyrod's health is. I don't know if we ever found out. Are they flying back to LA? I don't. I don't even know. My understanding was that they requested the schedule uh, to be at 
Uh, so, like, they don't have to fly back to L.A. I don't know if they will or not. Maybe they do for to check on Tyrod and see how he's doing. My understanding was that they weren't, because uh, some uh, I had heard somewhere that they had uh, requested that, you know, back-to-back in the schedule and were planning on staying on the uh, staying in Florida and then going to the Saints game. That's what I had heard. I, I don't know, though. Uh, I My guess is just that it would be similar to what the 49ers did to some extent with the Giants and Jets, and they 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 were practicing, I think, somewhere in Virginia or what you know, around yeah. that area. Um, so yeah, uh, I I would assume the Chargers are doing a similar thing, but I don't totally know. Yeah, so that'll be. I, I, if anyone knows that, please uh, tweet us. So Alex and I and Tyler will be releasing our quarterly grades through our Patreon page. Uh, if you are a Patreon supporter. Um, at the $5 tier or higher. At least that was our plan. Maybe we'll change that to, to get it out to more people. But uh, if you want to see our quarterly grades for each individual player, stay tuned for that on the Patreon page. As always, make sure and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, someone messaged me about uh, if we use Facebook or not. We are on Facebook, but we don't use it a whole lot. Um, so make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, leave us a rating and review if you like the show. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for today's show. You guys, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully the wins will start coming in, uh, rather soon for this team. Uh, but either way, we are excited for this future. And uh, again, thanks for tuning in and we will see you on Friday. Travis Fulgham is a grown man. (laughs) Okay. Eagles receiver for those who don't know. Bye you guys. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com